Welcome to the latest Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, we interviewed Eric Rice of the legendary Buffalo hardcore band Zero Tolerance. Chris and I interviewed Eric a few weeks ago as he was driving home from work. So we have an Eric Rice. It's when you drive home from work and you, uh, or you're in the car and you get interviewed. We have some Taberskis and some, some Julie Whites, but we'll talk about those some other time. So, we interviewed Eric about most of the stuff after Zero Tolerance, up to including his current band, Drifter. So we talked to Eric for a while about what he's got going on, and uh, we hope you enjoy this. Uh, There may be some cool stuff in there. We know there's cool stuff in there, but check it out. Eric was a good interview, and uh, I'm sure he'll be on again at some point, because he's interesting, you know... Eric was in bands such as Orange Nine Millimeter, H2O, amongst others. So check it out, and we will see you on the next one. Peace. episode of the nickel city soundtrack woo woo! <laughs> today we are sitting down with uh buffalo legend eric smoky rice woo. i'm chris how you doing i'm mark and i'm eric wow <laughs> eric's driving <laughs> yeah I'm driving unfortunately Might be our first one we'll call this an eric rice we'll call, we'll call this when they're driving yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I don't have to road rage on that one. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. It would. It's be. Atlanta, though, so it's entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, let's let's just get this started. We're basically going to do a deep dive on what makes Smoky Smoky, and uh, let's let's just you know, let's start it off. Like, what was the first show that you went to? Okay, so you know, I. I, I was thinking about that earlier, and you know, there was a. I had a couple first shows. Not, not that sounds ridiculous, but you know, I. Uh, so the first like show that I saw that was like punk and like people like dancing and like and it was huge. I don't know if you would consider it a hardcore show per se, but it was Ramones and Green Jello at uh, okay. Buff State, and that was probably '85. I want to say. Wow um summer of 85 uh if i remember correctly and uh it, it was just a free outdoor concert like back on their like football f- field or whatever the field they have in the back you know where they're uh and it was awesome it was insane you know i mean i'm uh, seeing green jello i don't know if you guys are familiar with them at all 
Yeah. But I mean, back, yeah. Back then, they were, you know, I really didn't even know a lot about them. I just knew they were like a local kind of punk type band. And, you know, they had all these crazy like costumes and, and stage props and all this crazy shit that I'm sure you saw later. Yeah. Um, when they were kind of, I don't know, I, I want to say they had a hit like on, uh, they, that, on that, that, uh, that music video things. station. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like where you like pay to play a video or whatever. I yep. forgot what it was called, but they had like a thing on there and, you know, and that was like, I, I, I want to say like Rob Zombie was like busting out when that came out or whatever, but like mm-hmm. to see them way back when it was like super, like a really punk but like uh, theatrical like oh my, i don't know it was crazy but uh that was that was really like at, at that point like i had only heard like ramones dead kennedys you know i heard the first suicidal record um uh, um some black uh, you know some black flag stuff uh you know but just a little bit of stuff that i you know had heard on uh at that point, this was before Andy Maurer and uh, and those guys had the hardcore show on, on WBNY too. There was another uh, there was another guy that had it. I, I want to say his name was like Metalcore Meyer or something, and <laughs> he had this other guy on there, and they you know they they did the hardcore show, and uh, it was it was a lot more punk orientated back then. It was you know that was. Early early eighties California punk was was more like yeah. the genre that they were blasting on the station at that point, and and that that fit right along well with the whole Green Jello thing, and and then yeah, seeing seeing the Ramones was insane. I mean they're they're like gods. I don't know if you've ever seen them play, but I mean I, you know see- I I never got into the Ramones. I and I know that there's like something wrong with me for that, but I just I just never got into them, so I never. Like I skipped any chance I had. Yeah, I mean it. It, it, it was its own thing, you know. It definitely wasn't like punk or. That's why I'm kind of like hesitant to say that. Like for the well, first it's, hardcore it's, show or whatever. The, but you know? in the in the writing of punk now, like in the the writing of the history of punk now, people are saying that Ramones were the first punk bands, mm-hmm. and I guess bands like the Clash cite the Ramones as to why they started a band. Well, that I mean. I can see that. I mean, you listen to them and they're a straight up punk band, you know, but yeah. Just to throw something in here, uh, Green Green Jello is playing a cruise ship with Kiss like next month. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's right. 14 year old me would be all over that. (laughs) 50 year old me would not want to be trapped on a boat at sea (laughs) with, yeah, with that crowd. I don't know. But hey, 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 they're probably all 52, though. So it's like a week long, it's like a week long cruise from LA to Mexico. And it's like got Kiss, LA Guns, Warrant, and a bunch of other bands. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good on all that. <laughs> yeah, those those cruises are kind of crazy. Yeah, and and the I don't know. I, I was never one for the. I, I do like a couple cheese metal bands, but yeah, not, definitely Warrant wasn't in the mix. <laughs> 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 
And that's the first mention of warrant ever on this podcast. <laughs> <It is. laughs> you know, it's funny actually is uh, when I was on tour with H2O later, way later in uh, Europe, well, we played a fest and, and, uh, and, and warrant was playing it as well. And dude was walking around with the cherry pie video chick and we were all teasing them and it was, it was yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, so that was a tough one as far as like my first hardcore show. Like that was my first like experience of like slam dancing and like like a big, you know, you know, kind of setting where there wasn't, you know, it was definitely different than like, you know, a concert you would go to at the at the Memorial Auditorium or something where there was like tons of security or, you know, because I had been to a bunch of metal shows before that. You know, mm-hmm. there I see Ozzy and Molly Crew, and I saw Brad and all these fucking Brad. All, all I saw the whole gamut. I, I was a little metalhead when I was a kid. I like, you know, when I turned like nine, I, I was just all about heavy metal and like, you know, all these, yeah, cheese metal bands and stupid yeah. stuff. And, you know, and, you know, but at the same time, like, yeah, I, I caught the, the beginning of Slayer via that and Metallica, too. And uh, I don't know. So that was pretty <laughs> cool. But, but it was really cool to, like, see, you know, a show that was I wasn't as big as, a, you know, the Memorial Auditorium. But it was still like it was a huge free show. Like there was a shit ton of people in the buff state for that show and mm-hmm. to see like people like slam dancing. In like a in like a setting that big was that was super impressionable and I was just like wow this is fucking nuts like this I want to yeah. be a part of this and then the following year which I'll say was officially the first hardcore show was that Black Flag show at that at, on Main mm-hmm. Street and that that show was insane and just yes yeah, super sketchy and <laughs> you know just awesome. Just, you know, you saw that. You know, I don't know if you guys saw that show or not, but you know, you no, saw that. That show was just before me. Life, life was different after that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we we've talked about on past episodes how there was like a handful of Buffalo shows that were like game changers. Yeah, and that Black Flag show was definitely one of them. I think there was definitely like a, a big change in like you know like what the punk scene was previous to that and after and i feel like they both kind of like just clashed and then and then it went towards you know what the scene became you know because the scene before that you know not that i was at a bunch of shows but like i was i grew up on the west side and i was all over elmwood and was privy to like you know what was going on even as a kid then Mm-hmm. And uh, it, and it, it was different. It, it was more punk, you know, and gothic. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was like, you know, the Splat Cats were huge, Ramrods, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there was this one guy who would do graffiti all over Elmwood, and uh, he, he was in a in a band, too, that was pretty. Mark, Mark Freeland? Mark Freeland. Uh, uh, yeah, and the Sippy and the Pinheads, and you know, there was like a whole punk scene, but it wasn't like it didn't get unified or wasn't like 
like what the hardcore scene became like after mm-hmm. that show and when when Andy took over you know the BNY that hardcore show and that I, I really feel like those guys like really had like a big influence on like uniting people and like creating a scene rather than like oh like you know all those some people are just going to show up at this show or you know they're going to go to you know whatever night at the continental and we'll just see each other and all these things but they were really you know focused on like creating a scene and and, and making it unified with you know, and that was really cool Cool. But uh, that kind of came after that whole Black Flag show, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year was that Black Flag show? Was that 85 or 86? I want to say it was 86. I want to yeah. say it was the summer of 86. Mm-hmm. Uh, late late summer, maybe, maybe even... Yeah, I want to say July or August, maybe, or something. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, what a great show. And you wouldn't have known it was going to be such a great show if, you, you know, you got there at the beginning of it. There was uh, Greg Ginn's other band opened up, Gone. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They were kind of like instrumental, kind of like, I don't know if you know Greg Ginn's style of playing. Like, it was yeah. just, it was like an instrumental version of, like, sloppy guitar playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not my thing. It, it, yeah, it was just, eh. And then there was this other band, Painted Willie, that was like on SST Records. And, you know, I, knowing they were on that record label, I was excited to see them, but uh, unimpressed. Yeah. Uh, but but then when Black Flag hit the stage, I mean, at that point, the whole place was like, it was so humid and hot in there. Mm-hmm. And they were all just in like the, the Henry Rollins outfit of like the black short shorts. <laughs> and, you know, he, at that point, like, I mean, you think about it now as like Henry Rollins being heavily tattooed. It's kind of funny, like thinking about that, like, you know, cause you know, now everyone's face is tattooed, you know, you gotta have yeah. a fucking yeah. scuba helmet tattooed to be tattooed <laughs> now, you know, but back then like it was like wow this dude's got all these fucking crazy tattoos he had that back piece with the sun it was mm-hmm. like what the fuck this shit's crazy mm-hmm. and uh he was such an intense front man you know and uh people people gave henry rollins so much shit like years after too as just being like some cheese ball and like but goddamn, if you saw that show you'd never fucking utter a word like that because I mean, it, it was literally like seeing Charles Manson, like, in a maniacal state, like, singing for a band, kind of, like, yeah. you know, he even kind of, look, you know, looked like a, a shaved, long-haired version of him, even, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it was just like, you know, he would go into these rants, you know, I remember you know, they played, uh, uh, oh, what the fuck, uh, who's got the nine and a half or whatever, and, uh, you know that's a long song and dude it just like went it just went and he just went into this maniacal state during that song and it was just uh it was just blistering fucking madness and and being a young kid then too you know i i still i feel like i didn't at that point like i wasn't like full-on into hardcore i was still like really into battle you know but but after seeing that i was like holy shit this is 
this is where it's at. Like, this is like, you know, not only am I seeing the band and witnessing this fucking awesome madness, but like, I could just get on the stage and jump off too and like touch these people. Like, you know, like before that, when it's a metal, like, you know, like metal musicians and bands are like, they presented themselves as so unapproachable and like unrelatable and the lyrics too, you know, like, you know, just unrelatable bullshit about fantasy shit and and then yeah and then to hear the lyrics that actually fucking chime into your soul mm-hmm. uh, you know just really really hit home a lot it was, it was awesome but i mean that that was just the first one you know oh god there were so many amazing shows in buffalo um and i'm gonna say the runner-up to that one would have to be Chromax, Wendy O. Williams, Motorhead at Buff State. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but holy shit. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. So Andy, had, I think, had just taken over the BNY uh, station. And uh, I remember, like, the first time they even played Chromax on there, you know, and it was one of those things like where like every Thursday at 10 o'clock you knew that show was coming on and Mm -hmm. you would just get your tape recorder set up and just fucking tape the whole shit and you know go back later and figure out who the fuck you really liked and Mm -hmm. these bands he was playing and and I remember he played that Chromax record Age of Quarrel and it was just like holy shit this is fucking you know and, and being into metal too so it was like it was kind of like the best of both worlds. Like it was, I don't know, it was just total game changer. And then that show was happening and, you know, everyone loves Motorhead, you know, with Ace of Spades and all that. So, and, you know, back then there wasn't a, a lot of, a lot of, you know, uh, I don't want to say there wasn't a lot of hot punk chicks because there definitely wasn't a lot of hot punk chicks, but there wasn't a lot of hot, popular punk punk chicks like <laughs> out there you know there was like the the chick that sung for bow wow wow uh you know, <laughs> right, was, right. You know she was smoking hot and and then you know there was wendy williams and like i wouldn't i wouldn't go so far as to say she was smoking hot or anything but back then you know you, you see the girls are dress real scantily now so it's nothing to see side boob or uh, chicken spandex <laughs> now but back then it was a big that, deal like there wasn't yeah. chicks just walking around with duct tapes only on their nipples and spandex <laughs> you know it's like that was like whoa like this shit's crazy yeah this chicks yeah. fucking only got duct tape on her nipples and she's walking around with a doberman picture on a fucking studded chain or whatever you know it's <laughs> She brought a dog on stage with her when she played here? I think so, yeah. (laughs) I I know she had pictures of that, but I'm pretty sure she brought the dog on stage as well. Uh, But that show was insane, and that was, like, the beginning of, like, you you know, like, Andy was definitely trying to pump the whole crossover thing on his show, and and, and there was a metal show, too. I want to say the metal show was on Tuesdays on BNY. And, and they were also trying to pump the, the crossover thing a lot. 
uh, just because that that was the new exciting music. Like these bands that were like you know metal bands that were playing hyper fast, like Slayer and fucking you know shit like that, and Exodus and stuff, and 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 then you know the more hardcore bands that were like having crunchy, you know, a crunchy sound like the Chromags and Agnostic Front and, and whatnot. And um, yeah, it, it was it was a really cool time period. But it was also scary. That show was scary as fuck because there was so many fucking crazy bikers there all in their fucking patches. And like, I don't, you know, at that point, I didn't know about biker gangs or, you know, any of that shit. But there was literally, you know, as soon as Chromex started playing, we got to know a pit busted out and people were going crazy. But the people that were there to see Motorhead had no idea what that was. So they just lined up around the whole pit and just were punching people in the face, you know, that were just involved and involved in anything like that. So it was, it was, it was, it was scary. <laughs> I have to say it was scary. You know, I was, I was super young then. And yeah, granted I wasn't going to be stopped, but it was, you know, I definitely got hit a bunch of times and I tried to, uh, avoid certain areas where certain people are more aggressive. But yeah, amazing show. Like, I mean, that was insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm always was, sad I pretty, that I came uh, in a little too late. I was pretty fortunate at that time as well. My mom worked for the airlines, um, and I had relatives that lived down in Miami. Uh, my mom's brother it was my uncle and, and my cousins who were the same age as me and um, in, into the same type of shit too, gradually as, you know, as we grew up and stuff. And so they, they were definitely into like the whole punk scene. And there was a great place down in South beach called the cameo theater. And uh, you've, you've definitely seen it in the movies. It was in. Uh, Who not what Ace Ventura, right? Jim, Jim, yeah, he's been sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Place, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a famous place. There was friggin' every hardcore show and punk show that was around back then went through there. And it was an old movie theater. Uh, back then, South Beach was was not what it what it is right now. That you know, it was it was super ghetto and all the Art Deco hotels down there that are all you know fancy pants like hip-hop spots now were all old folks homes back then <laughs> and it was just like all old people and, and and just ghetto drug dealers like roaming around south beach and the scene down there was super sketchy so they had this humongous punk scene but it was dominated by the skinhead and they were just a crazy you know, I'm sure probably white power and all that, but mm -hmm. they were just a gnarly group of skinheads. And I saw a, uh, a few shows early on there, and they were fucking insane, like some of the most violent, crazy shows I ever saw. But it, it was, I, I don't know, the violence, I feel like, kind of like what was the, the attraction almost, I feel like. Which kind of sounds kind of fucked up, I guess. But. <laughs> so so I, had, I had seen a few shows down there. I saw like The Accused. I saw Adrenaline Overdrive. Um, 
I saw uh, Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits. But the first one I saw down there was GBH and Agnostic Front. And this was like Agnostic Front was on the uh, Eliminator tour. That was right when that Eliminator album had come out. And uh, we, we had just heard it and we were like super pumped to see them. GBH, I was pumped to see them too, you know, like. They were a known band, and I had heard, you know, heard them, and they had multiple records. But I was really stoked to see Agnostic Front because they were part of this whole skinhead movement, and you know, this like huge skinhead show was going on, and it was just sounded amazing. So, opening band plays, I can't even remember. I want to say they were called the Chosen. They were like a local band, kind of mm-hmm. punk or whatever. They were great. It was awesome. Uh, Agnostic Front goes on. Oh my God, the most violent show ever. I had to to like step back a good bit because people were just getting beat to shit. It was literally in a, uh, the place is literally like a a movie theater most of the days. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekends, yeah, they would throw punk shows there. And uh, I swear like the first five rows of seats just got completely ripped out like from like people moshing. And it was it was nuts. Yeah, and shit was flying all over the place. And so the set ends and everyone starts like picking up these chairs. I want to say the sound man even said, hey, pick up the chairs, put them on the stage or something like that. <laughs> he started doing that. I started doing it, too. And then all of a sudden, Vinny Stigma fucking flips his shit. And just starts grabbing these chairs and throwing them like, get these fucking things out of here. I think he's trying to move his amp or something. <laughs> but he just starts missing the chairs at everyone in the crowd. And like people are ducking, getting hit, and whatever. And yeah. Man, it was it was just, yeah, it was just like an awesome thing to witness. You know, it was amazing too. And uh not till years later when Madball came out did I realize that this had happened, but uh Freddie had come out and he probably was probably like eight or eight or nine. I was probably 13 and uh, <laughs> he came out and sunk friend or foe. And that said, it was fucking sick. Nice. Oh, I, there might even be a video of that on YouTube. I, I want to say I saw that a few years back, but uh, yeah, he came out and sung that because he, he, yeah, he was just a little kid, I guess, living down there mm-hmm. with, uh, with Roger's parents and stuff. And, uh, I didn't know any of this stuff years later until I actually met them in New York later, but yeah, it was sick, man. That is cool. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was super cool show. That's, you know, I don't know. There were so many other really good ones. Like, I got to say, Verbal and Salt and Underdog at that little church in North What an amazing show. Like, I mean, just, dude, Underdog. I, I like verbal assault and all, but dude, underdog to me smoked the shit out of that show. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you guys see? Did, were you guys at that show? Not that one. So I would. Uh, uh, that was the one with the amp blew out and everything. <coughs> yeah, there was, was some that... technical difficulties. <laughs> I think yeah. that was the only show that was at church. That was a buddy of ours at North Buffalo. Uh, his father owned this church, yeah, uh, up there, and he convinced him to throw a show. And yeah, I think that was <laughs> that was it for that. That was a wrap after that one. But uh, but that was yeah, that was a fucking amazing show. 
Yeah. Shit, I don't know. All the Warzone shows were so good. Yeah. Sick of it all. I don't know. River Rock, you know. I, I, I always got mad love for the Pipe Dragon. I think it's more so because I I could I lived like right down there, so I could literally like walk there and walk home and I loved doing that. I loved I loved going to like the store and buying a beer and walking to shows. <laughs> just yeah like just the whole i don't know i just always love that whole the experience of just walking to a show and i you know a lot of a lot of the shows you know in buffalo were out in weird weird obscure places that whoever would rent i guess yeah. these guys the halls or whatever you know, so. were you buying beer legally then no, I was a little too. <laughs> yeah, there was a little. There was a little store on the corner, Allen and Elmwood. I used to buy beer. There was a, there was a, a Asian little store up on uh, Potomac and Elmwood. They yeah. sell us beer. They actually had the best little egg rolls too. We'd buy like a whole tray of egg rolls, slam a bunch of egg rolls, and then drink a bunch of Mickey's forties or nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, Things uh, you can't do today. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you probably could, but, <laughs> I don't know. but yeah, I, I always love those pipe dragon shows a lot. Like, I, not not even just the hardcore shows. I went to so many shows there. I remember seeing the band, the bags there that were like kind of like a like a almost Ramonesy style. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw H H R solo there that was fucking yeah. amazing uh, i want to say i saw naked ray gun there i think uh, uh yeah they, they just had all sorts of cool shows there all the time man I'm, and it was just so close to my house like yeah i i would just go see whatever was going on there if, if i had an opportunity to I feel like HR, like when I first came to Buffalo, HR like played UB's Fall Fest or something. Like the first year I came up to Buffalo, I think he played at that you show. Have, that sounds kind of right. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I know he definitely played a Pipe Dragon. That that show was amazing. Like, uh, yeah, there was hardly any, there was probably 20 people there and it was just the whole room was filled with weed smoke. <laughs> 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 It was it was awesome though. Like nice. that that uh, that was probably my first time actually like hearing like real dub style reggae yeah. too. That was that was mm-hmm. a game changer for me too. Like I, after that, you know, started turned me on to like King Tubby and um, mm-hmm. you know the scientist and, and weird weird dub stuff that like I don't know. I just found interesting and like cool. via him and. And then that that kind of skewed me into liking ska and stuff too, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Cool, I mean, cool, I, cool. I feel like like the late '90s, everybody was kind of like to some degree into two tone ska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like everybody was talking about like the specials and selector. This yeah. is more like I'm talking more. I mean, that HR show was in the late '80s, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'm, more more early nineties, uh, you know, toasters, um, yeah, New York Citizens, uh, yeah. stuff like that. I was really, you know, obviously specials and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, 
So I, I feel like people are pretty familiar with your ZT experience. So let's just jump to you moving to New York. Okay. And and uh like, so can I, I throw in a quick question though? Yeah, man. So when did you when did you start like picking up I mean, do you just play bass or do you play guitar as well? No, I only played bass. So I uh when I was real young, uh, probably sixth grade, when I was like twelve or something, I, I convinced my mom to to get me a bass, and yeah. fuck, it was so uh, I, I was like, yeah, so awesome. I God bless my mom for for that because I, I mean, I, yeah, half the shit I've done just wouldn't have even fucking happened. <laughs> is your is your mom happened. is your mom gonna listen to this episode God too? Bless her right off. Oh yeah, for sure, sure. She listens to it. Hi, Eric's mom. Yeah, awesome. She's great influence on me. I mean, musically, between her and my uncle who passed away, which was her brother. Um, you know, we. That's that's honestly like how I got into music. My mom like was always buying new vinyl. You know, and she was she was real into like disco type stuff and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. Whereas my uncle was uh, way more into like uh, classic rock. He was a he was a hippie and you know Led Zeppelin and Floyd and stuff like that. But but all that stuff really you know brought out just like a like uh, I don't know just how you could feel emotion via music and that that really always stuck with me with all like the stuff that they listen to. And I don't know. It just, we just listened to music like all the time growing up, like whether I was in my mom's car, you know, on a tape deck or, you know, whether, yeah. Or whether we were just at home and, and just listening to vinyl, but there was always music playing like, wherever whether we were just driving somewhere or we were at home like there was music going and i gotta gotta thank my mom for that like that was that was awesome that's always cool how like uh, like an instrument can open up kind of the world to you like that's always like a great story you know like it pretty much opened the whole world to you so that's that's really cool (laughs) so so i have to ask why the bass versus anything else so, I mean, the bass uh, is the best instrument, but okay. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, I, I am going to agree with you on that. But it was just circumstance. Like I, the other instruments were picked by other friends of mine. I, I <laughs> was in my neighborhood, and the, the oldest kid was like, "I'm going to play guitar," and the second oldest kid was like, "I'm playing drums." And I was like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm left with the bass." And, uh, <laughs> I, I went for that, and uh, but I was I was always like I don't know I I, I was kind of drawn to certain bass players like I love Nikki Six I love Lemmy I love like you know this is obviously before hardcore and whatnot and uh, you know I just was I drawn to those people for whatever reason like I just thought they were cool as well and just all loved it so and uh, yeah the bass just I don't know. That's the heavy shit, man. That's the yeah, man. So you gotta love it. Yeah. And then, yeah, I feel like uh, 
Heavy metal didn't do bass justice, I don't feel like, either. Unless it was Lemmy, you know? It, it wasn't until, like, like bands like the Cro-Mags and Harley and, like, I feel like punk, like, and, and hardcore really, like, had a way heavier bass feel to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I almost feel like that kind of, and, and this is just a speculation of history for me, but, like, I almost feel like you know, punk almost kind of like derived from like, you know, England probably way back when via just the crossover of like ska and and you know the the whole Jamaican thing going on there mixed with like rock, you know. And I feel like bass was like the heaviest, you know, instrument in that, and and I feel like that's why bass has such a prominent mm-hmm. place in punk. It's, it's, it's interesting theory, interesting idea. And I, I you know, who knows, whatever. I just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, it makes sense because I'm trying to... HR play too, and like, and then getting into reggae and stuff, it's like, dude, holy shit, the bass is like fucking amazing and all this dub shit, you know, like, you know, Ashton Barrett, like, he played bass and oh, like shit ton of all that stuff, you know, like, just like, what an amazing bass player, you know, just... Like, he's probably one of my all-time favorites. So, um, so when I get back to H2O, Chris? Well, we, <laughs> we're not at H2O yet. There was stuff before that. Oh, yes, there was. So, so <laughs> you moved to New York. and so I, I was getting in some trouble in Buffalo. You know, I was just like, like I'm, you know, all our friends and stuff. Like, we, we just had this big crew, NCS crew. And, and, and we would, you know, pump each other up and do dumb shit. When we didn't fight any other brother, we'd make each other fight ourselves. And, like, you know, it was just, like, one of those things where, like, you get so comfortable in a place and you're all friends with people. Like, you start doing dumb shit and getting in trouble and you think you're invincible and all that shit. And yeah. Yeah. And I knew I had to just, like, I had to. I had to put myself in check. Going to New York was 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 that, but also like still continuing like what I wanted to do, but also putting myself in check. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, uh, I told my mom I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm just gonna get in trouble if I don't. I rented a, a little U-Haul truck. I took all my base equipment. I bought a quarter pound of weed and I put <laughs> a hundred bucks in my pocket and I busted out and and that's what I had to go on and that's that's what I did. I just went there and I had a I had a place to stay right off the rip, which was awesome up in White Plains, my buddy Chris's house and um, God bless him. He, you know, gave me that little foot in there and like, not a month later I was playing with Burn. And how did like how did that come about? Well, so I had, I had met those guys because we had played some shows with them. I I met them. Uh, we played with them in Syracuse, and then uh, they came again and played on Connecticut Street. I forget what that club was. There was only a couple shows there too. Um, I don't know. Say eye for an eye. They may have not played with Eye for an Eye, but I know Lloyd was with them because I was friends with Lloyd back then, and they had stayed at my house when they played. 
And, and just as a sidebar, Eye for an Eye was totally underrated. Like, oh, not enough people talk about Eye for an Eye. I don't I know that how, band. Yeah, you know, they are now. It's like I don't, I don't know how we're talking about zero tolerance and not them. Honestly, it's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, they were sick, and and yeah, monumental band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I think that like, so I knew Chaka and uh, and Gavin via that, and uh, so when I was out. I had first got to New York. Uh, yeah, I was I was just trying to just get out as much as possible and just like hit up you know like bars that I knew people hung out at or you know or or just meet up with people that I you know knew at different places and uh, <laughs> it, yeah I, I I ended up uh, I want to say the New Music Festival was going on like during that month and uh, yeah there was all sorts of crazy shows happening. Agnostic Front, Marauder was playing at the Palladium was one of them, and I hit that up, and uh, and Gavin was working, he was barbacking at the Palladium, and uh, I was like, oh, you know, what's up, you know, we started shooting shit, and he was like, dude, we're looking for a bass player, and I was like, well, fuck, man, I'm going to learn songs tonight, I was like, I'll meet you whenever, in a day or so, and I'll, I'll have the songs down, and whatever, if it works out, it's cool, it's not, no sweat, whatever, it's no sweat, and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I went back to, uh, I don't know if you guys know Chris Kwiatkowski, Polish Punisher, mm, Do no, that. he's from Buffalo, he's an old skinhead dad, he's a multi multiple belt-holding uh, Muay Thai fighter in New York, how do you not know him? Wait, what's his name? Chris Kwiatkowski, the Polish Punisher. You know, so this is going to be really weird, and this isn't any disrespect to anyone, but my mother was super prejudiced against Polish people, so I don't know, like, anyone who's Polish. Dude, for real. Like, for real. My mother was super prejudiced against Polish people, and I didn't know until, like, I was in high school that Polish people weren't Polacks. I thought that was the term. That's All it, Chris. Right. We're canceled. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, I, I think that like Mike Ski is the first Polish dude I ever really was friends with. And you just thought he was just real into winter sports, probably, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, we're just that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nice. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. He's, he, he's an old school skinhead kid from, uh, you know, hardcore kid from Buffalo. Moved to New York. Uh, before I did, like probably a couple years before I did, and uh, he he was real into ska and stuff, and uh, but he he was in the in the scene in New York as well as Buffalo, and uh, yeah, man, if you ever get a chance to interview him, you should, man. He's he's an old school cat, and uh, yeah, just uh, text me his name later, and I'll try to find him. And yeah, dude, he's he's famous. Like he leads the Dingus Day Parade in Buffalo. He's like the Grand Marshal every year in Buffalo. <laughs> so, so my mom was so crazy and fucked me up so bad. I didn't even know about the Dingus Day Parade till I moved away from Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's no, it's like I, I missed out on a whole thing because my mom was like fucking crazy. It's funny. <laughs> That's so weird. I don't yeah, know right. Not that much, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, anyways, I, I went back and I was staying at his house and he had the, uh, you know, the burn, uh, uh, four song burn, uh, revelation release. And I just sat down and just bam, bam, figured all the songs out. And, uh, and then a couple of days later, yeah, we, we hit up a rehearsal spot and, uh, I knew all the songs and they were like, yeah, oh yeah, they were, yeah, we're doing it. And we played a few shows. We didn't play a ton of shows. I didn't, I didn't get to play a ton with them. And, but, uh, but they were fun. We played, uh, the Pyramid Club. We played with, uh, uh, what's it? I want to, we played with Rage Against the Machine. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the new music seminar, this is right before Rage Against the Machine blew up. It was they only had a four song demo. Their record had, hadn't come out yet. They had recorded it, but they hadn't come out yet. Um, so, so let me ask you this: Having, I'm sure that you were reasonably familiar with Inside Out. Like you see Rage, what were your thoughts about it at the time? What's that? You see what? You see Rage Against the Machine. Like they don't have anything. Nobody knows who they are. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you are or are not familiar with Zach from Inside Out. Like what? I, was, what? I, I knew. I knew like who he was. I, yeah. I I just knew it was his like new band that was going to play. You know, I didn't know what they were going to be. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, they they were badass. Like they, you know, and that's I don't really particularly like them per se. You know, or the like that style of music, but. Yeah, yeah. They, they were tight as fuck, and they they ripped it, and like they, I knew they were gonna be big. They they just had that that aura that, that was gonna go down. And yeah, a year later they were crazy. But that was that was a great show. That was a really fun show. Just hanging out with all those body count dudes. <laughs> body count. Yeah, yeah. So, so when Burn like kind of ended, did it like Orange Nine immediately happen after that? Like, how did that like transition come about? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, everyone still wanted to play music. It was just like direct. It was just like you know. So me and this other guy. Uh, I'm brain farting his name right now. Uh, were the new people. He was playing drums and I was playing bass. Uh, I want to say his name was Scott. Uh, whatever. We were the new guys. So we didn't really have a say in anything, you know, and, and, and Gavin just had different directions. They were, they were just uh, as far as music they were. So. Yeah, immediately, me and Chaka started talking about Orange Nine, and we we actually were living together in an apartment on Sixth Street, where all the Indian restaurants are. And, mm-hmm. and then, and then Gavin immediately started uh, Die One Sixteen, which is a highly underrated band, in my opinion. <laughs> I like the that first band a lot. record. The, the second record, I don't really like that much, but I think the first record is definitely underrated. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I mean, all those dudes were like hyper awesome, super technical musicians, and it was like really like it was, it was way different than like anything anybody else was doing. 
and, and that's what Kevin was trying to do. And, yeah. And I thought he did it awesome. I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, everyone was still friends, too. It wasn't like a, there was no animosity or beef or, like, no one was mad at anyone, like, when Bernard did it. Just, I, I think everyone just felt like that moment had passed. I was basically saying, you know, there was no animosity or, or weirdness, like, when Bern, you know, no one was mad at, at anyone or, or put it in blame or anything. People just, everyone just wanted to do something, had their own idea of where they wanted to go. Basically. Right, right. What are you looking at, Chris? I'm looking at the Orange 9mm EP yeah. that Eric played on, but wasn't in the band when it came out. And I was looking to see if uh, that drummer had also played on it, but I guess the drummer was Larry Gorman. Larry Gorman, yeah. On, on yeah. this. Yeah. So what happened with you and Orange 9mm, if you don't mind us asking? Um, I just was not financially there at that point in my life and I just like New York was kicking my ass and I just had to tap I went back to Buffalo and, uh, okay just to regroup and we recorded that record and even during the recording of it it was just super stressful because I just like I, I was broke as fuck I was just like I was stressing big time yeah and, uh, I mean I just it took me a lot of focus just to remember, get the recording out. But that was all right, you know, whatever. I, I, I know Chaka was mad at me for a little bit there. He was rightfully so to be a little bitter with me. I, I made an obligation. And I, I yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, but things happen. The band, like I like I said, we were living together, and I just, I didn't get it. Uh, I get that. <laughs> feeling attacked. No, you, you gave me notice when we stopped living together. What are you talking about? No, I know. <laughs> I'm joking. It was month to month, yo. <laughs> <laughs> you were good. <laughs> so, uh, so you moved back to Buffalo. How did H2O come about? I was just there probably not but a couple months where I was just like, dude, I gotta go. Out of here! I'm going back to summer, <laughs> and I, I just yeah, I went right back there, and I, I got a job immediately at the place that I first got a job at when I first moved there, which was the Pink Pussy Cat Boutique. Um, <laughs> what was that? This porno shop, and nice. uh, it was like uh, they just sold all sorts of shit, like from like sex toys and videos or whatever. Yeah, it was all girls that worked there. And they just need, like, they needed, they would stay open at like two in the morning or three or something. Open at noon or whatever. So and they, they just needed a, a guy there to be there. You know, because people would just come in drunk and like harass each other. Yeah, yeah. And we try to, like, you know, obviously, New York, homeless people too, they try to come in. And, yeah, it's a different time for New York. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening now. But anyways, I I, I feel like New York New York is going back to that time. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, it's it's New York is getting weird. Like it's getting in some areas, it's getting more violent. 
There's yeah. like they're building so many condos and stuff, but people can't afford to move into them. So there's just a lot of like empty space. Yeah. You're seeing a lot more homeless and just like people with mental health and drug issues sleeping on the trains and in the train stations and just like along the sides of the streets. Like it's, it's kind of sliding back. Hmm. Interesting. What was that? Sorry, Mr. I think it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Seems yeah. Like it. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's, there's like encampments in some of these places, like, uh, like, yeah, I was in Denver last year, and there was like, there's a park in the middle of Denver where there's like tents and shit everywhere, and it was like kind of crazy. I didn't think they had that shit in Denver, but they definitely do. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. It's everywhere. Like I, that, uh, all these. If you're just on the highway here, and there's like a little like kind of little corner or whatever that's wooded and you can't see in, there's eighty percent of the time there's like a Homeless and things. Wow. And <laughs> I don't know. Every place is hiring now, too. Weird. Yeah, it's a weird, like, weird time. We're, we're in a weird spot. Yeah, it's weird times. But anyway, on to H2O. How did that come about? <laughs> um, Before we get all dragged down. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was back in, uh, I came back to uh, to New York. And I was working at Pink Pussycat. Then I, you know, I, I got a job uh, at Tower Records as well. And I was working there on West Force, the other end of West Force Street at Broadway. And uh, shit worked in that place. You see everyone all the time. Like, it was like, it was like, uh, it's the center of, of the city. Might as well have been. But uh, I would see Toby all the time. And like, yeah, sick with all guys. I knew all of them. He had zero tolerance. We played. Yeah, yeah. Didn't um, Rich from uh, Sick of It All was that the tower he worked at? Like, didn't he work at a Tower Records? I, he worked up in uh, I think Times Square. Oh God, uh, some somewhere uh, the the one uptown or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, I remember like the first yeah. time he quit sick of it all was because he had a good job at tower or something like that like some <laughs> weird like, thing like that uh, there was a lot of musicians that worked at tower uh a couple of the guys from that band disassociate worked at tower mm. uh singer brutal truth uh well, there was a whole slew of motherfuckers uh the guitar player of cold front i think worked there uh, wait that's not dijon's band that was old band was it not Dijon, but uh, uh, I can't think his name. I don't know. But shit, also just famous hardcore kid Sean Dixon worked there. That's the uh, mm. oh, uh, man, yeah, a whole mess of people worked there. I watched the uh, OJ car chase at Tower Records, as I think I might have said before on this podcast. <laughs> I forgot out of the show. I got out of like a Mur- was it Murphy's Law? It was like 108 Shelter at the Grand, and then I walked over there, and the know. OJ car chase was on the freaking TV in the in the shop. <laughs> no, <That's funny. laughs> crazy times. <laughs> 
All right, so Toby, talking to Toby, why, he asked you to be in the band? I would see him on the streets all the time, and uh, and I, I I guess, you know, uh, the Woodall guys were, you know, trying to pressure him to get a band going. Yeah, they had written him a song, uh, which uh, him and uh, Tim from Ensign and, and uh, Pete and, uh, and Craig would play, and uh, Armand and that would play. Uh, it's like a you know a funny encore at some of the Sigurd all shows. A song called "My Love Is Real," and so he had this. They they pretty much like gave Toby this song. And, mm-hmm. you know, Here, go do something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, he, he you know I you know he knew me from Zero Tolerance. So um, yeah, it, I I think. I think the sick widow guys they honestly were like Toby, go get the dude from Zero Tolerance to play bass for you. Because I don't think Toby at that point, like you know, yes, he's into music and hardcore and all that, but I don't, you know, I don't think he knew like who was a better musician than who or who, you know, who can throw it down for you know, yeah, yeah, whatever, and who or just look cool or whatever. I, I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty positive that those dudes, you know, told him told them to like, to get me to play this. So yeah. So yeah, I met up with those guys and uh, and it was awesome. I was like, wow, this is fun. It's fun. Like our first practice, like they already had like you know they had that song "My Love Is Real" and they had maybe like two or three others. And then we wrote. I I had the baseline for here today, gone tomorrow. Um, the, the whole beginning already that, you know, just, it was almost like a song I had in my pocket, like, just like a, it was weird because they were playing like old school hardcore and that was just some like little thing I just would fuck around with in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really thought I would do anything with, with that. Riff. And yeah, do yeah. that down in the first practice and then it was like, oh, cool. Like we're, we're already like I already learned their songs that they had from in the first practice, and and then we wrote another one just like that. So it was like, oh, this is awesome, cool. And then uh, Jimmy, you know, it, it doesn't hurt when Jimmy Gestapo's at your first practice, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was cool. And uh, yeah, we played a show like probably a, a few weeks later. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I I I still enjoy H two O, but I'll always like I'll always love that first record. Yeah, like it was, it was. I listened to it all the time when it came out. It was a lot. Of, you know, we got to play those songs a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we got to hone in on them pretty good and get real tight for that record. All right. So, how long were you in H two O? I was only in the band like a couple big couple years. Yeah, I I mm-hmm. up and left and moved to Miami like '97. Oh, why'd you move to Miami? I had left left H2O before that. Um, I I feel like uh, we just did so much so quick. I just burned me out. It just it burned me out real quick. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like you guys were constantly touring, and I know, like, you went to Europe with them, and, like, oh, they it were was, doing a lot. It went from zero to 100, like, yeah. super quick, and it just, I don't know. I just... Yeah, a show was everywhere back then. I mean, they kind yeah. of still are today, but yeah, they were really everywhere back then. They were they hit the yeah, ground I mean, running. Try stadium, <laughs> but nonstop, like. Obviously, yeah, we played other places too, but mm-hmm. we weren't further than that. We were playing like in the area. Yeah, yeah. it was fun. We had a good time, but yeah, I just I burnt, I burnt out. I don't know. I just I, I I guess yeah. I probably started having financial difficulties again too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe felt like that was. Same road, I guess, that I was in Buffalo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit the last time we talked to you, but like, how did you start tattooing? Like, how did that well, come about? So, when I was in New York, um, I got tattooed by Siv and you know whatever, but I knew Chris Garver. And I also knew Darren Brass. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I can't think of all these people. But anyways, they, before I had moved to Miami, they would all go down to Miami. I didn't even know this. They would go down to South Beach and go work at this place called Tattoos by Lou. And, uh, and then I remember we were playing a show, and Chris came in with a bunch of dudes and introduced them all to us and they were all from Miami. And that turned out to be Ami James, um, Donnie Lopez, and uh, this other guy, Fish. And I want to say someone else was there. but um, And they were all super cool dudes, you know, hardcore dudes, skinhead type dudes, and we all hung out and the whole night and whatever. And, uh, when I ended up moving to Miami, I knew my friend Darren from New York, Darren Brass, was down mm-hmm. there. And I didn't put it all together that it was with all those dudes until I was there. And then once I was there, like, yeah, we were all just hanging out all the time. I was getting tattoos, hanging out at the shop with them all the time. It wasn't an intentional uh, thing. It just sort of happened. Like, uh, right place, right time. So. The right people. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Um, Tattoo Don telling me a story one time about, and I probably said this before, but that like you, you were hanging out at Nickel City Tattoo, and you set up like three or five easels. And just started painting on all of them at like the same time, but doing different things. And they were all just like, A, who knew you could do this? And B, like, what are you doing? Like, where did this come from? <laughs> I always painted and drew and, and did stuff. I just, I don't know. I guess in Buffalo, way back when, it was just something that I just kept to myself, I guess. I do, I have folders of stuff I've drawn like all throughout my whole childhood whatever 
I just, I don't know. I never, uh, I never hope like it, it, I guess it took me seeing what you, this is, this is exactly what happened when I got down there. Not only were they doing the tattoos, and that was cool, and you know, I obviously had tattoos and, and was into that. But uh, what really got me were these guys were doing like huge paintings, like giant watercolor paintings, and uh, and it, it, I was I just never saw art like that, like that big, and like you know just like. Uh, This crazy aggressive, you know, tattoo imagery, like painted on a huge scale, and it was like the coolest shit I ever saw. And that really, like, was what, you know, I really wanted to just learn how to paint. And they did, so, you know, taught me how to paint. <coughs> I, got, I excelled at that really quickly because I just thought it was the coolest. So, how long were you in my? How long were you in Miami? Um. I, I moved to Atlanta in 2004, so mm -hmm. from 97 to, so I guess, seven years. Mm -hmm. Which, it was awesome. I love Miami. Uh, you know, some, some parts of it just never felt like home to me, like the change of seasons and stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. I was... That was something I could get used to, but it, it, it didn't really work. Um, but other than that, like, I, Miami's awesome. I have so many great friends there, and just had great times there. Mm -hmm. yeah, learned to tattoo there. Like, that was like. Yeah. Why Atlanta? Um, so. I was working with uh, a few different guys that were from here, and they had moved back here from Miami. And uh, I don't know why Miami was like this mecca of, of people and tattooers back then. Like, like everyone would come through that. That's so many people from all over the world. But anyways. Uh, Um, I was working with this guy, Bill, who's one of my partners now, Bill Connor, and, uh, he eventually moved up here and started working with a couple of the guys that had, uh, opened the shop up here. And I would drive back to Buffalo from Miami all the time, like, to visit. I guess that's just how I did it. I would drive, you know, stop at places that I want to stop at, so... When he moved here, he, he was a good buddy of mine. And I would stop here, and I kind of made Atlanta my halfway, you know, pit stop or whatever. And I, I kind of ended up loving Atlanta. I ended up like spending more time here than uh, you know. Hmm. My intent was just to like drive here. You know, it's it's a it's like a ten and a half hour drive from Miami to Atlanta. So I would drive wow. here. And then drive, you know, continue the next day to Buffalo, you know, and hang out with my family and friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then 
same thing on the way back. But yeah, Atlanta's, been, I don't know if you've ever, you guys have ever been here, but Atlanta's a great city. <laughs> yeah, it's, one it's, one day I'll make it down there. Ever been there, Chris? I have not. Oh, yeah, I've been there like once to Atlanta, but it was like for a very brief period of time. So well, next time, don't come with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that is a great town, though, and I yeah, I would. Uh, I just ended up wanting to hang out here, so yeah, I ended up like coming and hanging out. I guess about at the shop. So, mm-hmm. great music scene, great art scene. Uh, the food's amazing. It's it's a young city too. It's not like a, a, I don't know. It's just like it's like a thriving place. People are. It's not filled with chain restaurants. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like there's been a little renaissance going on in LA. It's thriving now. Yeah. Especially with all the movies and stuff going on. Yeah, there's there's huge film industry down there. Yeah. I mean, it's just brought a lot of money and a lot of attention to a lot of great artists and different people out here. It's, it's really cool. Definitely. Just a great city. I, I love it here. It's, I don't know. I can't say enough about it. The people are great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that was uh, just, just following the money, I guess, you know. Like yeah. No, I mean, Atlanta seems to be treating you well. It's it's great, man. I, I you know, I couldn't do it without my partner. Yeah. We just threw a huge, huge party. It was awesome. World Fest, World Pons Fest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was just a great event. It was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so is, um, is Drifter the first band that you've been in since H2O? No. Uh, I played in a band called The Enemy down in Miami for a little bit um, which was kind of like uh, I don't know uh, mad ball-y kind of leeway-y band uh, with multiple singers and different people switching instruments and stuff too yeah yeah it was really cool. Uh, trying to think where you can hear that. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you guys? Did you guys put anything out? Yeah, yeah. There was like four, four or five song uh, CD. Uh, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Maybe some kind of link for. Okay. But it was spelled D N M E. Which was the name before I was in the band. Um, yeah, but um, it was pretty dope. Uh, we played <laughs> actually the first show we played was the Warp Tour. Oh yeah, yeah. H two O was playing that that year, and I was like, "Yo, get us the show! Like, get us to open it up!" And he did. 
Nice. Nice. Cool little power move. But I, I left that afterwards. It was just like I I was doing the tattoo thing and yeah. guys were like trying to get a little more serious and do stuff and um, and they did. They played some shows. They went uh they actually linked up and played with uh when John uh Joseph and uh and Mackie and a couple of the bad brains dudes were doing some shows. Mm-hmm. They, with them up in CDs. Okay. Yeah. We did some other shows with them too. Yeah. Uh, cool. We linked up with them via uh, a point down in Miami. He's, uh, this kid Mark was doing shows where he was getting local bands down there to He'd pick a city, and then a local band would pick a band from that city, and then they would do a cover set. Mm. Okay, it was a cool little idea. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, you know, one might that might might just like come down here and and do one of these." And uh, and I went, "I don't know, maybe maybe like John Joseph." And I ended up getting John down there to sing. Uh, the Chromag songs <laughs> at one of the cover things, and it was like, dude, that was awesome. Yeah. Um. So, so, uh, you know, how did Drifter come about? Like, I feel like it was a little bit of a pandemic band, or was that something that was happening before that? Yeah. No. I, well, right before it, but um, um, yeah, my uh. My lady that I'm with right now got me a uh, bought me a an acoustic bass and uh, for Christmas right before then, and uh, I just started ripping on it and it was awesome. I was like, I'm, it was like a little short scale one, so it was super easy to play, and I just started fucking around on it and you know wrote some stuff and uh, met up with the drummer. Uh, we both. Happened to be at this show, a uh, band called Ohm. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the guys from Sleep, his side band. Um, and he was there, and, you know, I totally forgot he played drums and you know, was telling him I was starting to play music. We linked up, immediately wrote a couple songs, and, uh, and then linked up with Justin, the guitar player, you know, like maybe a couple months after. But that was... I met him at the home show. We jammed, wrote a couple songs. Then COVID happened for a good little bit. And then we started playing again, kind of during that, maybe a few months after that, all together. Yeah, it was awesome. We wrote a bunch of songs real quick and super. How did how did the uh, tour go? Like, how was the tour? Oh, it was awesome. We've been doing a little out of town stuff, you know, pretty much every other month. So it's been super fun. Yeah, I mean, not not like you know, we're not like playing some sellout 
crazy shows or anything, but uh, but it's been super fun. And, yeah, yeah, and you have a record coming out, yeah. Yes, we uh, well, the record is out. It's on Spotify right now. Uh, we have it on uh, CD and cassette, but uh, the vinyl should be here in a couple days. Nice. Cool. Hopefully, hopefully you'll have the vinyl in hand by the time this episode comes out. I think that's gonna be gonna be it. Super excited on that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it just felt great. I I never thought I would record a record again at this point. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how long how long has it been since you played bass? Like you know, you were saying that your lady got you an acoustic bass. Like how long had it been at that point? I mean, I, I, I still had my other bass, but it was just in a box, like, you know, like off to the side. So I hadn't literally played in years. You know, I maybe I, I maybe would see an instrument somewhere at someone's house here and there and pick it up and do it up. You know, it's a quick strum with you, but mm. I just, uh, I don't know. I just thought that, that it was kind of past uh, my past. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tattooing really, to get good at tattooing, like, it took a long time and you never really, it's one of those things like the guitar, too. You put it down and, you know, you suck. <laughs> 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 to be good, like, you have to keep. Yeah, going, maintain the chops. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the drifter stuff is great. Uh, Thank you. You know, I, I know it's not everybody's thing, but like it's it's really good. For sure. Uh, and, and you know, I'm glad that like you guys are still running with it, and you know, things are happening with it. Oh yeah, we got new stuff too. So um, we're about to record a, another single. So. Nice. Posted on that, and uh, yeah, we got a bunch of shows coming up. We're playing in Florida a few days, November fourth in um, Jacksonville. Rain dogs, no coffee. Tampa, the fifth, November fifth, Saturday. Um, Well, Panhandle tour. (laughs) Orlando is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, cool. You got you got something, Mark? We can you can you, we can ask the 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 normal questions. Well, we'll get to those, but I I have a, a a series of questions. It's really just one question, but per band. So, what's your favorite ZT memory? ZT memory? Yeah. Um, playing the anthrax, opening up for Gorilla Biscuits. That was pretty sick. How was the How was the reaction? Like, how did How was like the crowd to you guys? Or people? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It yeah, was, it was a madhouse. It was a packed show. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. We were, we were a little different than all the bands, too. So I felt like people really appreciated that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At that time, like, everyone was trying to sound 
you know, ultra youth group style, you know, and I, I feel like ZT like had a, a slightly different approach to maybe all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was kind of felt like ZT. I've said it before that ZT kind of had, in my mind, kind of three phases: the more youth crewy ZT, the kind of transitional, almost killing time ZT, and then the ZT that everybody's familiar with. Yeah. So uh, with this this show was kind of in between the first and the second. Yeah. Um. Another one in that same era that was amazing was Washington, D.C. Um, that's a safari club with, uh, I want to say it was with Murphy's Law. Uh, and that show was insane, super packed. Yeah, people, once again, just the whole show going super nuts. Did you... Did you guys play the fall brawl like there were like all the stabbings and shit? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, fall, fall, fall brawl was the it was the um, I think it was DC or Maryland. It was like a, a pseudo fest that they would do, and it's where um, high impact put out the village people cover seven inch that none of you got. <laughs> right on and and one of those fall brawls there was like I don't know if it was during gut instinct or someone but there was like apparently some like crazy fight people getting stabbed or whatever or so the lore would say I would be surprised that that safari club was like in the sketchiest part of town and mm-hmm. it was just it was, I mean it was not only was just the scene early back then but like then you're just talking about just weird street people that have nothing to do with the scene too. Like mm-hmm. it's all intermingling. Like you know, it was it was like uh, if there wasn't a show going on, it was still pat- like there was still people out front because it was like a little bodega right next door, mm-hmm. and like you know, it was people were just buying beer in and out, like drinking on the street there regardless if there was a show. So a show just like packed that whole area up like in between bands or whatever. You know how hardcore shows are up front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so we're gonna continue this little this little trend. What do you have a favorite burn slash or nine mil orange nine millimeter memory? Um The burn one, I gotta say, was playing the Pyramid Club because that was awesome, and that was Burn hadn't played in New York in a while, and it was a smaller club, and it was packed as fuck, and just like that was my first show, also playing in New York with a New York band, and that was like people went off so hard, I went off, like it was. <laughs> Like yeah, it just it, that had me pumped. Like so, that has to be my favorite burn one. Um, the orange nine one um, was the first show with them. Uh, 
that was at uh, the Academy. It was a big ass show, and then it was another one of those new music seminars. And I can't think of who that was. Who that one was with? Mm-hmm. Damn, Burn, you know, damn. But, you know, now you got me thinking now. Burn played with Biohazard at fucking. Uh, oh, what was that club on the? Uh, I was on the that, side. Uh, that must have been a pretty crazy show. That was huge, and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, all of those shows were just yeah, just super high energy shows, like yeah, people nonstop going nuts. Like, yeah, and and of course, like a favorite H two O memory. What that? Like, I mean, just some of those New York shows are just so, you know, there's so many people. It's, you know, you know, like going nuts. It's insane to see like that, that many people like going off. Yeah. yeah. How about an H2O one? Um, God, I gotta say in Europe, Europe was like the, the craziest, biggest shows for when I played with them. Well, mm-hmm. the Boston's too a bunch of times, and those were those were huge shows. But it's not, I guess it wasn't always about the huge shows. No, but I can imagine like you going to Europe and playing like one of those Dynamo Fests or something, just seeing that like sea of people. If you if you were in them when they did that, we didn't play Dynamo, but we played a played a few of these. Like I don't even remember what they're called, but they were like metal fests. So they were like, we're not even. But people still were, you know, all about it. We did play a big fest with No Effects and uh, Lagwagon, Sick of It All, Sid, uh, Madball, Crown of Thorns. And pretty much every weekend when we were on tour over in Europe, we'd meet up with yeah, Crown of Thorns and Madball were on it. Mm-hmm. Crown, Crown of Thorns is out there right now with Sick of It All and Agnostic Front. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's cool seeing it back together with that. What's that? I saw them a couple months back here. Yeah. Good yeah. So, Eric, do you consider yourself to be a positive person? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely don't dwell on the negative. Do you think you've always been that way, or is it like, or is it a later life thing? No, I've always been a positive person. I, 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 I'd say I'd misunderstood. Maybe, maybe uh, some people think that, maybe not. Or yeah, so like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Lots of people have their own image of who I am. I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's let's. I, I don't know how, when the last, I forget when, other than the Drifter show last time you were in Buffalo, but who's got the best pizza? Um, I'm going to say, and I don't think they're even there anymore, Felicita. Have you had that over on Hurdle? When no, I'm, I'm not familiar with that one. That's my cousin, so I got to say that. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, uh, man. But I'm gonna probably just go with Lenova. Lenova, <laughs> huh? 
Oh, Lenovo. That's the first time we've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to ask the question that I'm sure everybody wants us to ask. Uh, what's going on with ZT? Um, well, we all actually have a group message and talk now, so, um, that's good. Uh, there's been some talk of getting up and, uh, practicing and seeing, seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Um. That's really about it. Okay. But at least everybody's talking and chiming in at this point. So. Yeah, that's good. That's definitely great. Step in Did the right you, direction. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, Did you, I know, uh, God. And I don't know, you know, I think people mostly just want to hear the old stuff, but I'm hurt. I, there is. Some weird things bouncing around in the, in the message. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. cool. I, I, th- I think people are just excited for anything. Yeah. yeah Let's see. That might, have, that might be the way to stimulate the old, though. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Did you uh? Did you get a chance to check out that uh smash and grab cover I sent you? I haven't listened to it yet, but I I like them a lot, and uh, their shit is super dope. Uh, but I am gonna check it out. Yeah, yeah there. I guess they recorded three songs. I only sent you the cover, uh, but I can send you the other two if you want. Yeah, they, um, just spreading yeah. their stuff, Chris. Just spreading it out. There. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I dig it, man. Yeah, I, I freaking love smashing grab. Yeah. Uh, so, so speaking of that, like, what, what music are you uh, listening to lately? Um. Well, I listen to. It's <laughs> like goes on repeat. I've been listening to some Van Halen. I uh, I saw. <laughs> this is super random. I saw some weird indie movie with Pete Dinklage and they had all these like uh, old Rush songs from Rush's first album and that kind of got me listening to that again and I like that a good bit and uh, some local stuff a band called Empty Black they're really awesome. Order of the Owl. That's another local band that I did a lot that I listen to. What, what's the genre of those? Because I really like both those names. <laughs> Order of the Owl is kind of like doomy do metal. Uh, Empty Black's kind of like a, maybe an in-between of doomy and, and drifter-ish kind of sound. Okay. Uh, um, 
Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm still listening to, uh, what's it called? Uh, Turnstile record. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I like that a lot. Cool. All right. I played it to death and then had to put it down, but I've been revisiting it. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, sing to that record. <laughs> yeah, we we we've talked about that record a lot because um well everybody was talking about it like last year and earlier this year. And like we all like it uh to you know to differing degrees. I haven't listened to it in a little bit, but I, I you know we all like it. We're all down yeah. for it. Yeah. But it was like a hot topic for quite a while. It yeah. was. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I, you know, yeah. It seems like people love it or hate it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's we. Our discussions were generally, um, is it a hardcore record? Because sure. because there are a lot of people who are like, this is the greatest hardcore record, you know, of the decade. Whereas, like, some other people don't really consider it a hardcore record, but that doesn't mean it's not good. You know, mm-hmm. well, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I th- I'd say it's a hardcore record because it, it's it, it definitely has I, I don't know it's got that drive it's got it's got the riffage it's got I, I think it's got it all. Uh, uh, you know, to me, it's got yeah. that more. It's got it's got bad brains eye against eye vibe. It's got yeah, like, totally. It's got like. You know, old wave, new wave vibe. It's got snapcase uh, vibes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does though. It has so much cool shit. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, I, I will say it's, it's like some some outside of the box shit too. You know? Yeah, it's, it's not. But it's, it's interesting. You know, just take a leap. You know, and like. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a record that seems to cross generations because like like you dig it. I know Foyster's really into it, but then also like eighteen year old and twenty eight year olds are super into it. Mm -hmm. I guess it's 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 more of a game changing record than I guess some of us would care to admit. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. (laughs) <laughs> I almost, I, I you know, it's to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess game changer is is a way to put it, but I, I almost feel like it's a, it's more of like a nostalgia ride, kind of of sorts, you know, like the way it taps into, like, you know, like that one song, like literally sounds like hired gun, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying they ripped it off or you know or anything like that, but it's it's very like it's almost the same riffage, like beat style, like you know, it's I don't know, it's a, to me it's almost like a a nostalgic ride rather than like a Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you have you seen Turnstile? I have not seen them live. I, I you know actually I have. But not this new not 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 
I've seen them back like, I don't know, 2013 or something. Oh, yeah, it's, it's way different now. But it's definitely, it's definitely worth seeing live. Like, it, it, if you like the record recorded, like, you'll like it even more live. It, it was a long time ago that I saw them, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you should, you should, if you get the opportunity, you should. Like I said, if you like the record recorded, you'll definitely be into it live because they're like, their energy level is unmatched. Is it? All right. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And on that, I think we'll wrap it up. Well, good seeing you guys even at Purple Fire. Yeah. yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on our, again. Our first car car interview. <laughs> Partial car yeah. driving interview. It sounded moving pretty good for that, interview. too. So that was cool. We've had more than one car interview, but this was the first moving car. going to do it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Right on, fellas. Have a good night. Much love. All right. We'll see you. See you later, man.